Hello friends, this is Pastor Bill Clark. Welcome to the podcast. Hello friends are the first two words I begin each message that I get the privilege to share each Sunday. I get to tell my friends about the greatest friend, Jesus Christ. I also consider friends to be one of the greatest gifts a person can have in this earthly life. Most of the episodes will be messages I share each Sunday, but from time to time, I'll invite a friend to share some of their life with us over a beverage. I pray these episodes bless you and help you on this journey of life. God's blessings to you, friend. This is a message I shared at Timothy Lutheran Church on Sunday, November 26th. We ended the church year and also was Stewardship Sunday. It's from the parable of the sheep and the goats from Matthew chapter 25. Lord, I ask that you speak to me once again this morning. Lord, may the words that come from my mouth give honor to you and your holy word. Please continue to guide me with your words to send and equip this flock to grow your family and show your love. I ask all of us in the name of our crucified and resurrected Savior, who died and rose for our sins. Amen. Hello, friends. Well, this Sunday, as I said in our welcome, we conclude our three-week stewardship sermon series called Parables and Possessions. We're looking at three parables from Jesus, recorded by Matthew, and what they teach us about stewardship. Now, two weeks ago, we looked at the parable of the faithful servant. The main point of that parable from Jesus was this, to keep the end in mind. Jesus is coming back. We don't know when, but we do know that he is most definitely coming back. Keeping the end in mind affects how we handle the gifts that God has given us to manage for him. Don't make financial plans just for tomorrow or the next month or the next year. Make financial plans for the inevitable end. The day of reckoning, when the master returns, begin with the end in mind, being intentional. Last week we looked at the parable of the talents. The main theme of that parable, know the generosity of Jesus. Know the generosity of Jesus, not just with my head, but with my heart, not just with my mind, but with my emotions. That's what the parable the talent teaches us about money management. Know the generosity of Jesus. God gives us everything in our lives. God has entrusted us with many things in our lives, including money. Because the Lord owns everything, including our money, and we, his servants, manage the money. That brings us to our third and final parable today. The parable of the sheep and the goats. The homeless Jesus is a bronze statue that was created by artist Timothy Schmalz. It depicts Jesus as a homeless person sleeping on a park bench. Let's take a closer look. Christ's hands and feet are ha- his feet, face and his hands are hidden under the blanket, but the nail wounds on his feet re- 
reveal his identity. You see him there? In 2013, the statue, Homeless Jesus, appeared outside St. Albans Episcopal Church in Davidson, North Carolina. When they first put the statue out, one Davidson resident called the police, mistaking the statue for a real person. A lot of people walked by the statue without stopping, so others went out of their way to avoid the statue, thinking it was a real living person. How do we respond to the homeless Jesus? That's the question from today's parable in Matthew 25. That's the question for us today in our lives. How do we respond to the homeless Jesus, the hungry Jesus, the hurting Jesus? How do we respond to the Jesus who so desperately needs us? Well, there's a couple keys to understanding our parable today. They're this. Jesus is the source of mercy. And Jesus shows us the course of mercy. Jesus is the source of mercy, and Jesus shows us the course of mercy. So what's mercy? Mercy is undeserved kindness. Undeserved kindness. Mercy is the key to understanding the parable today in Matthew 25. We begin with this. Jesus is the source of mercy. The king descends when the Son of Man comes in his glory and with all the angels with him. Then he will sit on the throne of glory. Just a few weeks we celebrate Christmas. Jesus came as a baby to a manger. And there we see mercy. Mercy sent Jesus to a manger. Mercy sent Jesus to teach. Mercy sent Jesus to heal broken lives. And mercy will send Jesus to sit on the throne of glory. But you know, don't you, that there was one other throne before the throne of glory. We know it as the cross. The Romans placed what they called a titleist above Christ's head on the cross. The titleist included these words, Jesus Nazareth Rex Idiorum, or Jesus of Nazareth. King of the Jews. The Romans turned the cross into a mock throne for what they thought was going to be a mock king and a mock Messiah who had this message that they mocked and who led this movement and followers that they also mocked. That's why they gave him a mock crown made of thorns. For Rome, the cross is a throne of mockery, but for us as Christians, the cross is a throne of mercy. Christ's throne of mercy means we have forgiveness for every sin. Direction in our lives at every turn. Light for every dark day and hope for every deep sigh of despair. On the last day, the king descends then the king delivers. The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom before you, before the foundation of the world. Blessed. It's another word for mercy. Inherit. That's also another word for mercy. For you. That's another expression for mercy. For you, not by you. For me, not by me. Mercy. 
When did this plan go into effect? The king decided to deliver mercy before the foundation of the world. Overflowing mercy, unlimited mercy, marvelous and miraculous mercy. The king delivers mercy through his means of mercy, the gospel, his word, and the sacraments of baptism and holy communion. I'm not the source of mercy. You're not the source of mercy. Your job is not the source of mercy. Sports is not the source of mercy. Government is not the source of mercy. The only true source of mercy is Jesus Christ. That's the first part of our parable today. The second part of the parable, Jesus shows us the course of mercy. And some are going to follow this course, and others won't. That's why the king divides. Before him, he will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from the other as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. The king divides people who are sheep from the people who are goats. Believers, sheep, unbelievers, goats. And it's a major theme we see all through Matthew's gospel. He wrote that there's a broad way and a narrow way. There's a house built on the rock and a house built on the sand. There's the wheat and the tares. There's the wise virgins and the foolish virgins. And today there's the sheep and the goats. There are finally two kinds of people, Jesus says, and we get that, right? We see examples in our lives. There's people who like cats, and there's people who like dogs, right? There are people who sleep with the window open no matter what day of the year it is. And there are people who never open a window in their house. And somehow God brings some of those people together in marriage, don't they? There's people who carefully balance their checkbook every single month, right? And then there's other people that every couple, three years, they just close their account so they have a place to start over again, right? Then there's people who are sheep, and there are people who are goats. Sheep know the, mer- know the source of mercy, and they follow the course of mercy. I was hungry, and you gave me food, and I was thirsty, and you gave me drink, and I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. What's the course of mercy? It's about the other person. It's not about me. It's about the other person. Jesus loves me, this I know. Jesus loves me, this I show. That's a sheep. The goats? Jesus loves me, this I know. Jesus loves me, I won't show. Matthew writes, Then they will also answer, saying, Lord, When did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick in prison and did not minister you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. What do we call this? Case of mistaken identity? There was a story going around a few years ago. There was a national uh, cameraman that worked for a national news outlet. He was in L.A. covering the wildfires. And then he called the local airport to charter a flight. 
they told him a twin-engine plane similar to this one would be waiting for him when he got to the airport. Upon arriving at the airport, he spotted the plane warming up, jumped in with his bag and his camera, and shouted, let's go. The pilot taxied out, swung the plane into the wind, and took off. Once in the air, the cameraman instructed the pilot, fly over the valley and make low passes so I can get pictures of the fires on the hillsides. Why, asked the pilot. He says, well, because I'm a cameraman for the national news, and I need some close-up shots. The pilot paused for a moment. He was silent. And then he finally stammered, so, so what you're telling me is you're not my flight instructor today. <laughs> Do you want to know the worst-case scenario of my sticking mistaken identity? The people who are goats took needy people, lonely people, lost people, hungry people, thirsty people, hurting people to just be people. Just people. How does this happen? Mercy gets marginalized by more. Mercy gets marginalized by a thirst for more. Obsessed with getting more and more and more, people become just people. But people aren't just people. The king descends, he delivers, he divides, and the king disguises. Inasmuch as you did it to the one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Jesus our king is disguised as his identity in children, in our neighbors, in our high school students, in broken and battered people, in our lost world. The king disgu disguises himself in the least of these, my brothers and my sisters. There was once an elderly lady, or maybe it was an elderly man too. I want to, you know, knock on ladies always being bad drivers. They got pulled over for speeding. She was going 70 in a 40 mile per hour zone. Policeman asked her, ma'am, why are you going so fast? She said, sir, the sign back there said 70. But ma'am, he replied, that wasn't the speed limit sign, that was the street sign. You're on 70th Street. Oh my goodness, she gasped. I'm sure glad you didn't see me back there on 130th Street. <laughs> Numbers are important, aren't they? Ask policemen, a mortgage banker, or a math teacher. Numbers are important, including the number we write on our checks for our offerings to Timothy Lutheran Church. That's because our financial generosity helps who? People. But they're just not people. Our financial generosity helps the homeless Jesus, the hungry Jesus, the thirsty Jesus, the lonely Jesus, the hurting Jesus. Jesus says, "In as much as you did it for the one of least of my brothers, you did it to me. In our relationship to God and the world is one of stewardship. 
Stewardship is not just money. It's not just how we give our time. It's not just how we use our talents. Our stewardship reflects what we believe and where we place our faith. Now, if you sat in the pews the last few weeks and only heard me talk about money, you missed the point. Stewardship reflects our lives as Christians. Our faith and what we believe affects everything in our lives. As Christians, we're called to grow more and more like Christ. And as you grow in your understanding of God through His Word, you become more and more like Christ. And when we become more and more like Christ, we go from hearing, oh, here we go, it's that time of year, pastor's going to talk about money again, and we're getting our offering envelopes, right? To, it's not my money. I've been blessed. God, how do you want me to use the things we have been entrusted with? We are to use everything entrusted to us in such a way that it benefits God's kingdom. Today, people have far more material means than any previous generation. And yet it seems that we use them more and more selfishly. Statistics prove, percentage-wise, giving hasn't changed in 50 years. 50 years. Yet the wealth in this country continues to grow. Money and how we approach money are a direct reflection of how we live our lives and where we place our faith. More people in this country place their faith in their bank accounts and their own abilities than in God and His Word. If we use the things entrusted to us for God and His purposes, we'll be blessed. we will be blessed here and in heaven. Now, does that mean... The more we give, the more we'll be blessed. No, it does not. But that's what culture tells us, doesn't it? When someone dies, it's more common to hear about all the good things a person did than to hear about their relationship with God, the very God who gave them the resources and the life to do those good things. Because doing good things gains us nothing. We do good things because that is what Jesus taught us, and that's what he rolled modeled for us. It comes from our faith. I was thinking about the greatest act of kindness I ever witnessed in my life. And it involved a sandwich. Now, there wasn't no fancy deli sandwich or anything like that. It was a very average peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Trying to think back which mission trip it was, but I believe it was 2006. I was in Honduras. And they selected a handful of people to take sandwiches and water and to go hand them out to the many people that lived in the local dump. Now, when we got there, there were men and women and children living in or near the dump. And they went through the trash to find plastic and cardboard and whatever else they could find to help them survive. Now, as we're passing out the sandwiches and water, I witnessed one of the men take his sandwich and tear it in half and give half of his sandwich to another person, a man that was coming up to get a sandwich who we had already run out. Now, this man was clearly in need. He was thin and he looked weak, and he had nothing besides a bottle of water and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Instead of eating it all of himself, he gave half of it to another person. 
And I just think about it this morning, and I think back about it. I don't think a single one of us would have faulted this man for eating the entire sandwich. But he shared it when he saw another person in need. Because it's not the amount that you give. It's not how many times you give. It's why you give, right? Jesus says, Inasmuch as you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. I've been sitting with the uh, governing board, the board of directors and the elders, and talking about 2024, because as we do this time of year, right, we start planning for next year. And it looks like it could be a challenging year. Cost of everything is going up and up and up. There's a couple things that I purchased a year ago. I keep them in my shopping cart, like at Walmart or whatever. You know, you just click on it again, put it back in your basket, you can buy it again. Things that I bought a year ago have gone up 100% from a year ago. And then they tell us next year the cost of our house insurance, our car insurance, all the utilities, they're all scheduled to go up next year. Meanwhile, our wages stay stagnant. Our retirement funds don't have the purchasing power they once had. The cost to live in this country is not cheap. I know that. And this church knows that very well. And this church is very good at being good stewards of the gifts that God God has given them to further the kingdom of God. And it will continue to do so. Now, you're sitting here this morning and think, oh, I feel more like a goat than a sheep. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit giving you a not-so-subtle nudge this morning. Speaking to you. Urging you to get in God's Word. To spend time with God in prayer. To be in worship on a regular basis. To look at your faith and seek to live your life more and more like Jesus. Because once you truly know Jesus, you truly know mercy. God's mercy for each one of us. Because Jesus is the source of mercy. And Jesus shows us the course of mercy. Amen. Thank you once again for listening to the podcast. If you have any questions about anything that we share in our messages, any questions on faith, any just general questions, get a hold of me. I'd love to have a conversation. Thank you again for listening. Have a great day. God bless.